I used to look at people and think, how can they help me accomplish my vision? Now I think, how can I help them grow? In the summer of 2006, I was working at a church with a visionary leader, Pastor Brian Wangler. The church was in a small town in Illinois called Ottawa, which is a town of about 18,000 people, and it was the county seat with all the other towns around it being far smaller. I had arrived two years prior, and the church had continued its growth trend that it was on when I had joined the team. At this point, the church had grown from about 150 people when Brian took over a few years prior to over 400 people now in the summer of 2006. We now live in the days of megachurches of thousands of people, but for a church of 400 people in a town of 18,000 is a crazy proportion. While many churches would have been satisfied and excited about the results that this church had seen, this leadership and church board weren't yet satisfied. There were still many of their friends and family members that didn't know Jesus. They wanted to do everything they could in their power to make the church they attended a place where those family and friends could come and encounter Jesus Christ. So that summer, we jumped in an RV and drove all the way to Atlanta, Georgia to attend a conference about innovative church strategies. I didn't know what to expect when we went, but God radically moved in my spirit while we were there. I saw a church done in a new way and ultimately felt like I needed to plant a church. I went home and told my wife, and she was so sweet and gracious. I knew it was a big undertaking, and she did too. But after talking it over, praying about it for a while, we knew we were in. We began to pray and see what was next. Long story short, God moved us to a new church downstate in Illinois that was a church plant. We told them the vision God had laid on our heart, and so they brought us there to help their church grow for a while, but ultimately to train us up and send us out to plant the church God had called us to. We were there a couple of years when we all agreed it was time for us to go. So we put our house on the market in October of 2010 and made the announcement to the church that we were going to be leaving in January to start a church. Brooke and I had been praying that there might be a family or two that would move with us to go start the church from Illinois to the Indianapolis area where God was calling us. Like I said before, the church we were in was a plant, so we were meeting in a school and renting it for the weekend. So at the end of the service on that Sunday, we made the announcement. We were tearing down and resetting the school for the coming week. Someone came up to me and said, so when are we leaving? I said, for what? They said, for Andy to start this church. I was completely blown away. It took him a few minutes to convince me that he wasn't joking, and he wasn't. They said that a couple weeks before God told them I was going to leave to start a church, and that they were supposed to go too. Then a second family came to us and said the same thing. And then a third, then a fourth, then a fifth, and then a sixth. Six families. Six families that quit jobs, uprooted lives, and began to relocate to Indianapolis. It was wild. This began a journey that was incredibly intense but rewarding. We saw so many miracles, which I'll talk about in a different podcast, but this part of the journey was simply amazing. These folks were precious to me, to say the least, and it was awesome to see this level of commitment to what the Lord was doing and to the vision He had given us. This church was ultimately launched in the fall of 2012, and I was the pastor there until the spring of 2016. In that time, we saw 78 people make decisions to follow Jesus, and the church grew to more than 200 people in regular attendance. But I began to really flame out. I was exhausted. I was so tired personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way, I was really lost. What began to happen to me was many things, but part of it was that God's vision became my vision. 
There are so many things wrong with this, but specifically here in this podcast, I want to talk about what it did to me in terms of how I treated people. When your perspective is wrong, everything is wrong. I recently had a friend who had lens replacement due to cataracts. The day after his surgery, I asked him how he was doing, and he said, It's a miracle, really. After the surgery, we were driving into town, and I was reading all the mailbox numbers with my new eye, but I still couldn't see them with my current eye. Also, the cataract is a way bigger deal than I realized. It's literally take like I've taken off my yellow sunglasses. I was watching TV and telling my wife that with this eye, his shirt is bright white, and with this eye, his shirt is ivory. When your perspective is wrong, you see things wrongly. And that's exactly what began to happen to me. The people of the church that I so revered for pursuing God's plan became the people I needed to use in order to execute my vision. Rather than helping the people of the church and stewarding them towards what God was calling me to and helping them grow, I was trying to make them fit the vision that I had for me. I was using people instead of growing people. There's a time when this is obvious, but more often than not, it's very subtle. For instance, we had a gal in our church who was an incredible singer. She was recruited by one of our other worship team members. She came and sang, and everyone was so impressed by her talent and her spirit. The problem was her husband wasn't in favor of her doing this. He didn't attend church anywhere. He didn't go to church or have any kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted her to be home and not be singing. So rather than talking to her about prioritizing her marriage and helping him grow in his faith, I talked about using your gifts unto the Lord and cast the vision of where we needed to go as a church and how she could be a part of it. It worked for a while, but then ultimately she stopped. The time she had spent at the church put a huge burden on her relationship with her husband and things had gone from bad to worse. She thanked us for the opportunity but told us she couldn't come back. When I recount this story, I'm really embarrassed and frankly mortified. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a proponent of women being blindly submissive or something to their husbands. I would never advocate for that, nor would I tell a wife that she should not go to church to placate her husband. But we're talking about was something different. The time commitment to be on the worship team was a couple hours at least during the week, and then something like three to four, maybe five hours on a Sunday. That's a lot more than simply just attending church. But I couldn't see past my vision of how much better our worship team would be with her on it. I prioritized the vision I had in my head over the health of the people around me. One thing I know about the kingdom of God is that it's always the right time to do the right thing. If I would have helped steward her towards her husband and her marriage like I should have, God would have provided us with someone else to sing. There are plenty of good singers, but I had a scarcity mentality instead of an abundance mentality. I wanted the worship team to be excellent, and this gal could get us there. Instead, by pushing my agenda, I made things worse. So why did this happen? Well, for a few reasons. I was behaving this way and thinking this way for three real specific reasons. First of all, I felt a lot of pressure. When six families decide to move with you to a new state to fulfill God's calling for your life, you feel a lot of pressure. Well, at least I did. What if the church doesn't work out? What if they can't find places to live? What if they don't get good jobs? What if they realize I don't know what I'm doing? So the pressure to make this thing go was overwhelming in me. No one said that to me. Nobody said, well, this is all on you. But there was a voice inside of me that was, and I was listening to the wrong voice, which is number two. The voice inside of me was not the voice of God. It was a voice of fear. It was a voice of doubt and kept asking those 
terribly hypothetical questions that would keep you up at night. What if you can't find a place to meet? What if you can't preach as good as you think? What if you can't find a worship team? And on and on. If you're not actively working against this voice, you'll end up listening to it at a high cost. The third thing I was dealing with was a massive amount of insecurity. I didn't want to present a poor worship experience because I thought that would reflect poorly on me. It's crazy to say that out loud, but I know a lot of preachers think that, at least the unhealthy ones. I'm all about excellence for the name of the Lord, but if I'm honest with myself, I was more concerned about excellence for the name of Matt. I could keep going, but all of these stem from a deep insecurity and not believing I was good enough to really do this, even though the Lord had called me to it. Throughout the Bible, you see this pattern of God calling people who aren't good enough. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Gideon and the disciples, Paul, and it just keeps going, and he keeps going with that pattern today. None of us actually are good enough. We have more faults than we can articulate, and we struggle with things that Christ has easily overcome through the cross. But that's why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, because apart from him, we can do nothing, but in him we can do all things, like Jesus says in John. So when you're called by God to do something, he always wants it to grow. Again, that's a future podcast. From the beginning of time, God has called his creation to multiply, to be fruitful, and to grow a bountiful harvest. So as we lead, there will be followers. God has called these folks just to follow, just as he's called us to be leaders. But leader, if you're not healthy, God's agenda and your agenda can become pretty blurry and you can start to drift off course. That doesn't just apply to church leaders, but to business leaders, teachers, school administrators, doctors, lawyers, moms and dads, husbands and wives. In the same way, at home, we can use people to fulfill our own agenda in the world. We can do that at home rather than what we're supposed to do and grow the people around us. We can focus on how our needs aren't met and how we are struggling rather than seeing that in our spouses and kids and helping them grow in Christ. It can be so easy for me to pursue my own agenda instead of helping others fulfill God's best for them. So how do we deal with those insecurities, pressures, and listening to the wrong voice? It really comes down to just staying connected to Him. What I've learned in my life is that it's not enough to stop listening to the wrong voices, which can be important, but it's most critical to listen to the right voice. If I spend my time pursuing God, listening for His voice, and becoming who He wants me to be in Him through His strength and power, those other issues start to fade away. If I walk around thinking, don't be insecure today, I've already lost the battle. Fix your focus. Listen for His voice. Listening for his voice starts in the morning when you wake up. It just continues all day long. Throughout the Bible, there are all these promises of God, these incredible promises that my mercies are new every morning, that there's grace for each new day, that the love of God goes before us, goes behind us, goes beside us and above us like we've talked about before, that God is with me all the time. And therefore, if I can't see him, it's not his fault, it's probably mine. I need to fix my focus on the things around me that he's promised to do, not the things that I'm seeing in the world around me right now. So where are you at today? How are you doing with that? Father, I thank you for the people listening to this podcast. I thank you for uh, where they are in life right now. There's so many things they could be doing. There's so many things they could be listening to. And you brought them here for this moment. And Lord, I don't know why. I don't know what they're facing or where they're at. 
They could be leading something massive right now. They could be just trying to better themselves. They could just be listening to this because they thought it would be something good to listen to. Lord, I pray for them that they would know your voice. That they would know the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd that's calling them to something greater, to something deeper, to something better, to something more holy. But more important than all of that, just the peace. Peace in their soul. Peace in their thinking. Knowing that you are their father and they are your child and in them you are well pleased. Thank you, Lord, again for your faithfulness and for doing this work in us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much again for joining us on this podcast. I hope you have a blessed week wherever you are, and we'll see you on the next one.